Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We're starting. Cool. It's us. It's we are starting right now. A cult. That's not the name of the show. It's in the, in, yeah. It's we are starting a cult. It's, it's us. True. It's me. It's Grant. I'm back. I'm it's here. Grant Bradkey over there. I'm Jake Wallen. Hello. I'm used to being here. I'm liking it. It's, it's the fun two for of me. us. Um, building castles in the sky. So what we're doing today is singing the Moody Blues. That's not what we're doing today. Man, we should do something on that though. That's what I was doing. Right before we started this, now today we're gonna we're gonna take you to uh, Chicago, and we're about to uh, get in our DeLoreans and go back in time about two hundred years, and uh, we're gonna do a little history history thing here, which is different for us. We don't typically. I mean, I guess you could argue we do like historical things, but it doesn't. It hasn't gone this far back before. Yeah, like this you know? is more of a genuine history lesson that we are going to dive into today. And uh, like I said, we're going to go uh, to the city of Chicago for your smooth jazz pleasures. Oh yes, and we are going to talk about the Fort Dearborn massacre, as it is so lightly called. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I do want to say this was. Brought to my attention maybe two, three months ago. I don't remember. But uh, it was by a friend of the show who we appreciate. Wait, who was that? It was... I, I don't necessarily want to say names. Give me a characteristic only I would know. Blonde. That's me. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, uh, what other characteristics? I don't... I don't. Is it recently blonde? It's a female. Okay. And... I don't know if you were here that day, but we did spend maybe three hours watching Ash vs. Evil Dead, and uh, yeah, that was that was a fun day. I don't know who this is. I I don't know why. I'll ex- I'll explain later. Yeah, I just, just for the sake later. of human beings that might not want their information out there, I won't say it. But uh, if you I do like listen should, to this, I should totally know. I know that you'll know. That you sent this to me because you did and you asked me about it and I told you I've never heard of it and you were like it's fucking awesome you should check it out and it might be a cool topic and I was like yeah that's cool and maybe you thought I ignored you but I didn't because I'm, here we oh, are and we're doing it now I'm fuming that I don't know who this is like yeah. I, when you're gonna tell me I'm gonna be even madder at yeah, myself than I am right now you'll be upset you're but, a good yeah. person uh, 
to whoever uh, you know who you are that sent this, you're a good person. A and female thank you. blonde person watched Ash vs. Evil Dead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, you'll know it. Yeah. I'll tell you. All right. Anyways, let's do it. Let's get into the the battle here. Yeah. There's a few. Na- I do want to throw this off the bat. Um, the Battle of Fort Dearborn is what it is most commonly known as. It is known as the Fort Dearborn Massacre, but I'll talk about that later as to we'll why, get into why. Yeah, we it's might uh... not want to call it that anymore. Yeah. There's some reasons. All right, so let's let's jump right in here. It is we? a good descriptor, though. No, it is. It was a straight-up massacre. It was you cool. guys will see. Just tune in. It was fucking cool. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the Battle of uh, Fort Dearborn is between uh, United States troops and the Native Americans of the Potawatomi tribe, much like the Bingo Casino. Have you ever been to Milwaukee? The giant Potawatomi Casino is right there along the highway. Just so you know. Just stop in. Same throw, people. Throw your you money know? at them. They love it. It's awesome. But uh, so yeah, it was in uh, 1812 near Fort Dearborn. Uh, so you know, like the battle of the War of 1812 it was around there. It was. Um, you could say that. Yeah, and it was uh, in the undeveloped portion of Chicago that is now the South Loop area because it was Ooh. at the uh, south mouth of the Chicago River. The South Loop. I went to school there. I also did. did. You. Dude, we know that area so well. We've hung I had out no idea there was a massacre there, around where there. we've just perused and gallivanted around the areas, doing nothing uh, while Matt was on his skateboard. Maybe just people weaving were in massacred between strangers. There. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. I don't know, man. But uh, there's people being massacred there every day now. That's but true. Uh, so a little background on it, right? Uh, the fort was constructed in 1803 by U.S. troops. Uh, it was under Captain John Whistler on the south bank of the Chicago River. And uh, it was wilderness at the time, as we said. Like, there was no city there. It was just wilderness. And it wilderness. was... Wilderness. Strange wilderness. A lot of bears. hey Chicago oh reference. Oh, my God. Jesus, Grant. Sorry. No, it's okay. All right, and then the, um, yeah, so it was named after a U.S. Secretary of War at the time. His name was Henry Dearborn. Uh, It was commissioned after the Northwest Indian War of uh, 1785. It was between 1785 and 1795. And the Treaty of Greenville that was signed on August 3rd of 1795. And that was around, like, Greenville, Ohio, what is now Greenville, Ohio. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, in this treaty, the Native Americans and frontiersmen, which were also known as the uh, Western Confederacy, uh, they turned over a huge portion of Ohio and about six square miles and the, at the uh, mouth of the Chicago River. So that's where Fort Dearborn was. Right? Exactly. Okay. So, in 1783, the Treaty of Paris, uh, it stated that the... Uh, British Empire, they ceded Northwestern Territory. They ceded the Northwestern Territory. And that territory basically included modern-day Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin. Right? Okay, okay. So they got that land. There was, like, the U.S. got that land. People were going in for settlements. You know, they're trying, you know, um, hell manifest destiny thing. And, uh, yeah, so the land was being disputed a bit, between the U.S. and the Native Americans that inhabited it, right? That sounds Classic scenario. right. It yeah. really does. Right. All right, so the Indian nations, uh, they followed a Shawnee prophet at the time, 
and his name was Tenskwatawa. Tenskwatawa. Tenskwatawa, right? And he was actually brother of Tecumseh. Ooh, that's big, a name you might know, Tecumseh. Big historical name drop. Hell yeah. His brother with the crazier name. I like it. Tecumseh. But yeah, so um, Tenskwatawa, as he is uh, referred to as, uh, he had a vision of purifying his society by expelling, quote, the children of the evil spirit. And that was referring to the American settlers, right? Of course. Yeah. They so. are children of the evil spirit. I mean, even to this day, in a way, we you are. You can't just settle down no. anywhere you want to go. You can't do that. Manifest do Destiny, that. it it equal parts saved us as a country and also made us terrible people. No, it's true. And I, it's just a, it's just a chance that we had to take, and I guess it, it happened to work I mean, it, out now. It paid off for in us, a sense, but uh, yeah, we, that that payoff kind of we took from someone else's. It uh, ruined stockpile so there. Many lives. A lot of lives. Lots of lives. It yeah, did. that's just true. Just as uh, as uh, what was it, Cage the Elephant before they uh, started to kind of suck. And they're just like, yeah, you know, manifest destiny is just a fancy word for murder. That's all it is. In a sense, yeah, it's like, hey, I love that shirt you're wearing. Can I have it? And then you're like, no, silly, I'm wearing that shirt. And then they pull out a gun and they're like, can I have it now? And you either say yes and accept it and move along. It's not even or asking. You, or you say <laughs> no and you die and the shirt is theirs anyway. They're getting the shirt, okay? Yeah, they're but- getting it. You get blood on it in the other yeah. sense. But, yeah, I mean, in some cases, it's not even, they don't even ask. They just try to take it, and then they give you a shirt with uh, smallpox on it. I don't know. That's true. You know, sometimes stuff like that happens. But, uh, yeah, the children of the evil spirit, that's us, the American settlers. And, uh, Tesk, uh, damn it. I'm going to mispronounce this, even though I've pronounced it a bunch of times. Tenskwatawa. Tenskwatawa. There's Tenskwatawa. that W. Yes. Tenskwatawa and Tecumseh. Uh, they formed a confederation of like of uh, Native Americans, uh, where many tribes um, were like kind of brought together in an attempt to block the settlers from their land. And so the British, who had um, so they had uh, Canadian colonies, right? And so they saw that they saw this uh, confederation of all the uh, Native American tribes as a uh, you know like uh, allies. They saw them as strong allies and a buffer between the U.S. and the Canadian colonies. So, in turn, the British gave the Indian Confederation arms. So you got Indians with guns now. Yeah. Sorry, Native Americans. That is not the proper nomenclature. Uh, yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to apologize now because I'm probably going to say Indians without yeah, thinking I mean, about it's, it. Yeah, it's embedded into the, you know... Our psyches, but we know it's not right, and we'll correct ourselves when we yeah when I we think can. Of it, I will so say sorry it. in advance for any times we slip up like I just did. But um, it's going on, natural. yeah, it's I mean natural. it happens. But uh, yeah, so the Confederation's uh, attacks further te- further like uh, put tensions between the U.S. and Britain because you know the Confederations were seen as allies to the British, and so. Uh, it was not good for the U.S. because it hindered a lot of uh, farmland and material deposits and fur trade routes. So classic, uh, you know, classic scenario, manifest destiny sorts of things. We can't have them. But it's being hindered. Probably good. 
So in 1810, because of the long-running aggression uh, between the Native Americans and the U.S., um, the U.S. and the Confederation... Yeah, wait, sorry. Uh, Captain Whistler and other officers at the uh, Fort Dearborn were removed and replaced with a guy named Captain Nathan Heald. Or Held? I think it's Heald. It's the word heal with yeah, a D at the end. Yeah, healed or held. We'll we'll probably interchange that. I'd say like healed. I'd say, yeah, I'd probably say healed. But uh, yeah, and uh, he absolutely hated it there. He like did not like it at all. He there's a quote from him. He said it was so remote from the civilized part of the world. So he was kind of probably a little ritzy, uh, fancy pants man. Mm-hmm. He sounds like it at least. But, uh, yeah, so he actually, right when he got there, he applied for a leave of absence to spend the winter in Massachusetts. Go back to Boston, you know. But, uh, so on his way there, before he got there, hated it and decided to try to get out of there. Uh, on his way there, he, uh, he went, uh, he went through Kentucky, right? And he met a young lady named Rebecca Wells. And he was the daughter of Samuel Wells. But, uh, yeah, they met in Kentucky and they married. And they traveled together to the fort, Fort Dearborn, in uh, 1811. 1811. 1811, man. We're leading up to it. We're getting closer. We're getting up to it. There's a lot of uh, stuff, you know, you got you to gotta know this before it goes in. Or yeah. else it won't make any sense. Because there's, yeah, there's a lot of this people, is gonna make any sense if you don't know There's a lot of people this. on both sides of the fight here that play a role in what's about to end up happening. It's all just, just piling on one on top of the other. So, yeah, all right. So the U.S. and British tensions were rising. And in turn, the, you know, tensions between the settlers of Fort Dearborn and the uh, Native Americans, they also rose. Uh, So in the summer of 1811, the British attempted to get uh, Native American support in the region, saying that the British would assist them in resisting the American settlers from further expanding, right? So on April 6th of 1812, uh, something crazy happened, right? Oh, a yes. uh, a band of Winnebago, like the the things you strap to the back of your car if you're going to go live in your car for oh, a while. Winnebago. So Winnebago. it's like so. I guess that is the jacuzzi of hot tubs. I always thought Winnebagos were the thing. Yeah. So I it's think... just that they're like a the popular brand of trailer. Yeah, I always just assumed because like a Winnebago, you can drive certain Winnebagos. Some of them you hitch to the back of a car. Yeah. It's like a brand. It's like um. What was that? It's the jacuzzi to the hot tub. Yeah, you're right. You're very right. It's like yeah. a, you know, yeah, in a more, in our sense, it's like the Ouija board. It's not every, the the technical term is the talking board. Yeah. But Ouija was the type that came out back in the day. It was the brand name. And then it was just fucking, that's what it was. Everyone calls it that now. It wasn't Ouija. It's like Ouija. Yeah, Isn't it's, it? like it's like Ouija, but it's like, it's we. And yes in French, and then ja is like mm-hmm. yes in like German or some shit. So it's like yes, yes board. Yeah, it's a yes, yes. Yeah, so board. it's like it's like that where it's like oh, you see it. Oh, it's a Ouija board. That was it's just like a name for it. it doesn't it's really just like, mean that's what it yeah, is. The blanket objective term is talking board. Yeah, jacuzzi, so, hot tub, Ouija board, talking board, Winnebago RV. Fuck you. It's all the same. Okay. So but this is all different. to say that a trailer company is is profiting off of the uh, the Winnebago. Winnebago, uh, Native Americans. But yeah, so a band of them in and on April sixth, literally a band. They had guitars a band of them. Drums. No, they didn't. No, it was great. First electric guitars. But uh, 
So they murdered a person named Liberty White. And isn't that just like the craziest, most on-the-nose American name in the world? <laughs> that is the cherry on Liberty top of the White. murderous Sunday that was the Native American and white people fight. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was, Liberty White. We li- murdered Liberty and we murdered White. It's Holy shit. They pretty much just got what, everything they wanted. I but, feel like uh, they only killed that person because they found out what the name was. They had no real reason or anger to, but they were like, this is symbolic. It's like, yeah, we were making a trade. It was a really good deal. He was being friendly. He gave us coffee. But then I found out his name. They got a lot of symbolism so, in this later, too. So there's some <laughs> symbolism happening here. So, yeah, this uh, band of Winnebago Native Americans murdered a American named Liberty White and a French-Canadian named John B. Carden. And Johnny they were, B. Johnny B. And they were on a farm. Uh, that was known as Hard Scrabble. I, I, I just I was Is reading it? about that earlier, <laughs> and I saw Hard Scrabble, and for some reason that just made me giggle so much. Dude, Scrabble's the shit, and yeah. it's hard. So they knew it hard before Scrabble. it came out. Scrabble wasn't invented by then. They might have been playing a version of it, but I don't think the real Scrabble was out. I, I don't know. Hard I Scrabble. No, we, I'm looking into that after this episode. Do it. But uh, so yeah, they were. Uh, I'll do it now. Don't worry. All right, it's cool. So that happened <laughs> on a farm named Hard Scrabble, and uh, it was south of Chicago of the Chicago River. Uh, it was in Bridgeport, actually. Bridgeport, which is still an area. So a soldier named John Kelso, not like that '70s show. Um, so uh, John Kelso. Well, damn, Jackie. Yeah, I can't control the the Winnebagos. Hold on, hold but, on. Uh, um, you got it? Yeah. When did Scrabble come about? Scrabble was invented by a man named Alfred Mosher Butts in 1938. Wow. Mr. Butts created Scrabble. Hard Butts, Hard Scrabble. Hard Butts, dude. Off topic, but it was interesting. I needed to know. <laughs> last time I played Scrabble, I think that was one of my last words was, was, was Butts. Butts. It's easy. Butts. It's got two T's. T's I just added like the S points, in there, right? yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah. So a soldier named John Kelso and a small boy actually escaped the farm and carried the news that Fort Dearborn, uh, carried the news of the, you know, uh, Bridgeport farm invasion uh, to Fort Dearborn. That's a cool so, band. Yeah. Bridgeport farm invasion. Bridgeport farm invasion. Hard scrabble. And then, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, they carried the news uh, to Fort Dearborn that that happened. And a lot of the settlers in the surrounding areas, uh, they moved into the fort. And others fortified themselves into a house that was previously owned by a uh, Native American agent, uh, Charles Joet. It sounds French. There's two T's at the end. I don't know French. I think that's an A. Is that an A? Les patites. I don't know. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, and uh, so that, that, you know, they were starting to... To, to become a little afraid there. So a uh, militia was formed, actually, of 15 civilian men. And, uh, yeah, so they were just hanging out there, being so afraid. And uh, on June 18th of 1812, the U.S. declared war on the British. Right? Yep. Crazy shit that happens. War of 1812. And uh, on July 17th, so about a month later, the British captured Fort Mackinac. Is it Mackinac or Mackinac? Because Mackinac. Yeah, that's what I always thought. Because, but I've heard people say Mackinac, and I'm just like that. It's the same people. It that looks say like, right, but it doesn't sound correct. It's the same people that say Bologna. It's uh, like Bologna. It, yeah, it's spelled that and way. Colonel for Colonel. If you colonel. say it that way, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. 
Yeah. I have nothing else to say. You're wrong. I'm sorry. It's Mackinac. It is Mackinac. Mackinac I went th- Island. Dude, Mackinac Island's awesome. They have great fudge. A bunch of horses and a I bunch hyper-ex- of poop. Yeah, I hyperextended my knee uh, trying to get off of a horse because I was afraid of it. I, yeah, that and then my dad right. carried me <laughs> to the ferry when the I was best like part thirteen. Of that story is he was nineteen. <laughs> he was a fully yeah. This was last man. year. Then he changed my diaper and yeah. He was a fully grown man. <laughs> it was awesome. No, I had fun. I got a lot of fudge. But um, so yeah, June seventeenth, the British capture Fort Mackinac. I mean, that was July seventeenth. Sorry, and then July 29th, uh General Hull he received news of this. And uh, he ordered the immediate evacuation of Fort Dearborn because uh, he didn't think they had sufficient uh, provisions, ammo, all that kind of thing. Yep. And, uh, okay, this is where it really picks up. It really does. So he believed that... We're so close. Thanks for hanging in there through that long spiel. William Hull believed that after the fall of Fort Mackinac, that there would be no way Fort Dearborn could sustain and have deliveries made to support the people living there. Safely, yeah. So he essentially was hoping that we could evacuate and that everything would work out, right? Um, he wrote a letter to to Held, and uh, it showed up on August 9th. And this is when something very bad occurred. Because... There was a big decision that needed to be happened, okay? They needed to kind of work together with the Potawatomi tribe, and they needed to secure their help so that they could maintain life and hopefully evacuate safely. So what they did is Held made a decision, and he said he promised the Potawatomi tribe that he would give the them all the contents of the fort, all the food, the provisions, the ammo, everything that was there, they could have it, and they would allow safe passage back out. So they yeah, they, were, they would kind of escort them uh, to Fort Wayne, correct? Yeah, and so they made a deal. The Potawatomi tribe, they were like, yeah, that's cool with us, man. We'll fucking hang out. Um, at the last minute, healed, uh, he pulled everything out. He destroyed all the supplies of alcohol and ammunition, and uh, the reason he said that was because whiskey would only enrage the Potawatomi and that any powder or shot given to them might be used against the occupants of the fort. Well, then, if... <laughs> see, my thing about this is, like, why would you even offer it if you're going to offer it to them as, like, you know, like, we're going to be by these people. I can't go back on the deal until, like, we're there. It sounds... And so by that point, they're already going to have it, so why would you even, like... It sounds like, to me, he didn't want to do that. It sounded... Er, no, it sounded like... He he wanted to do that, but uh, the guy that sent the letter, William Hull, he was the one that wanted to get safe passage. So he read them this note and was like, yeah, we could all kind of cheese on this. We could all like this. We could all cheese. And then Heald was like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. So that was not good. Mm, yeah. uh, it was essentially to the Potawatomi, it seemed that he was violating their pledge. And uh, this was one of the causes of the attack that would happen soon. And, um, I don't know, a lot of things kind of happened here. Essentially what people think now, looking back on it, is that realistically the Potawatomi would have used uh, the food and the whiskey, obviously, as you would use food and whiskey. Uh, you and, know, to sustain yourself and maybe have a good time. Yeah, exactly. There. And then all of the bullets and stuff would be typically used for hunting or, like, you know, protecting their families. Yeah. That's what it's looked at as now. And 
historians now pretty much say that this was just like the straw that broke the camel's back because it was very typical to see white men breaking deals with Native Americans. That was like regular. Yeah, that's kind of something we are known for in history. So um, fast forward a couple days. On the night of August 14th, Heald uh, got a visitor, a Potawatomi tribe member named Mucky... Mukti Polk. Mukti He's remembered today as Black Partridge. That's what I'm going to call him. For ah, okay. He keeps coming up as Black Partridge. I was going to say, I haven't heard that name before. His actual Indian name Black is Mukti Polk. Gotcha. Uh, and Black Partridge was a friend of the Americans. And essentially what Black Partridge told, held, or healed, sorry, was Either that uh, at this point after you broke this deal... There's no way that I can restrain my warriors. Like, they are pissed. There's nothing I can do about this. Yeah, man. And uh, he spoke to Heald through an interpreter. And uh, previous to this, Heald had given him a medal of friendship uh, from the government to kind of have a balance of, like, you know, yeah, we're cool. diplomacy. And what, he, what Black Partridge did was he took it off, and his direct quote was, I will not wear a token of peace while I'm compelled to act as an enemy. He took it off, gave it back to him, and left. Honor. That's honorable, man. That was pure honor at its greatest form. Okay, so this is where we're headed, right? Now we are on the morning of August 15th, 1812, right? That's where yeah, we're at. sounds good. And um, it, according to records, it's a hot and sunny Saturday morning. And a parade being led out of Fort Dearborn is happening. William Wells, mounted on a giant thoroughbred horse, and 15 of his, as they call it, Miami, which is just like his followers, I'm assuming. Hmm. They were riding ponies so small that their feet were scraping the ground as they rode. <laughs> a one-time captain in the U.S. Army, Wells was wearing his, blue, his old blue uniform jacket, but remembering his Miami heritage... He had painted his face black like a warrior prepared for battle and also for death. Oh, wow. Behind him, there were 55 soldiers, 12 civilian militiamen, 9 women, and 18 children in a wagon train. Some of, them, some of the women were on horseback. Most of the children rode in one of the two wagons. The remaining members were brought up in the rear. Two fifers and two drummers played the tune that time has now forgotten. And essentially, what we're working with here is they're making their way in. It's going to happen. Dude, that's awesome. That's kind of cool that, like, they don't know what they were playing, but that was, like, the swan song that only they heard. Yep. That's crazy. Swan song. Now, this is. I'm going to go into a little geography here, okay? In 1812, the main branch of the Chicago River was actually not a straight course into Lake Michigan. Instead, it was just east of the fort. It started to curve south to where Madison Street would be now. Mm -hmm. And then it would dump out into the lake there. Uh, it's also noted that the lake shoreline was much closer to what is now Michigan Avenue because what, you know, let's face it, come on. Well, I mean, that makes sense. Things I mean, happen. Yeah, and, like, if you, go, if you ever go over there to, like, the shoreline now, it's just, like, huge fucking pieces of concrete that just go straight down about nine feet. Yep. It, it, at its shallowest. So, yeah, I can imagine it like the, the actual natural thing just went all the way up. Then um, after the Potawatomi were also on the move. They were marching south. And uh, they were going south along the river and the shoreline following a course today 
that would have lain a little bit east of Michigan Avenue, around today what is Roosevelt Road. And right around there, a series of extremely low sand dunes were out separating uh, the shoreline from the prairie. Hmm. So what happened here, uh, Fort Dearborn soldiers kept the shoreline, while the 500 or so Potawatomi soldiers kept the west side of the dunes, where they were hidden from view. They were on a sneak attack mode. Ooh, yeah. Now what happens here happens so fucking fast, okay? Yeah, the the whole length of the entire battle is uh, astoundingly short. I do want to say this, because I'm not going to take a break and comment on it. I'm going to plow through what happens. This battle lasts 15 minutes. 15 but, minutes, yeah. But what happens in this battle is some of the most insane shit. It's, like, gruesome, man. It, no, it's... It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of fucked. It's about a step below Ed Kemper. It, that's what it, it's pretty gruesome. It's we'll like if it Last here. of the Mohicans, every every single character was replaced with Ed Kemper. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it, yeah no, that's a good way to put it. It would be Ed Kemper if he only had 15 minutes to do what he had to do. <laughs> that's what it would Just be. To, to go in fucking sicko mode. <laughs> Ed Kemper with time constraints. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Wells swung his head around and rode back to the main column shouting that the Potawatomi were in group and ready to attack. Captain Heald ordered his troops to charge forward, and the soldiers scurried up the dunes with their bayonets ready, and they broke through the line of Potawatomi soldiers that were standing there. They crossed before they had seen a bow or anything. They just ran right for it. And um, what's funny is uh, they charged, and a couple of the people didn't go. So there was a very small group of people that charged because I think they were nervous to charge. So, yeah, so basically they kind of split off. There was one group of people who stayed with the wagons and all the mm-hmm. all those people and then the other ones who charged up. So they split. And the smart move, the Potawatomi, instead of attacking when they were charged, they all fell back. They started to retreat, and they let the soldiers come in, and then they circled the soldiers that entered and murdered all those soldiers. And all the ones that didn't, retreated back to the shoreline, and they took a defensive stand. And then the rest of the 30 Miami had fled back, trying to protect the wagons. Then multiple soldiers, like the big pocket of them, went the other direction, hoping to try and, I guess, distract the Potawatomi. And they went away from the wagons, knowing that their family was there. Yeah. And, uh, it's this a is, big leap of faith there. This is technically where they call the massacre. This is where it occurred. So the Potawatomi, it is claimed by most historians now that they were, you want to be technical about it, they were fighting a patriotic battle for their own homeland. And the way history sees it is much different. So they they go after the troops. They start attacking, right? The Potawatomi figure out about the wagons. They were defend, The wagons were defended by a 12-man militia, and they were freaking out because they were there to protect their families. Uh, the men pulled their muskets as the Potawatomi approached, and when they couldn't hit them with their bullets, they flipped the guns and used them like clubs. Uh, the Potawatomi came in and murdered every single one of the 12-man militia. Mm-hmm. Very quickly, uh, bows and tomahawks, throat-slitting, arm-stabbing. Uh, there was actually a lot of scalping that occurred, too. This was, like, post the 15-minute battle. Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, what happened here is that the, the militia is dead. They were trying to protect their family, and they were dead. 
Um, strap in. A single Potawatomi soldier, or warrior, I guess you'd call him. Yeah, I don't know what they're he called. He climbed on top of the wagons main, uh, holding the women and the children, and he took his tomahawk, and he indiscriminately bludgeoned them to death in the head with the backside of his tomahawk. How many was it? Like 12 children? Let me pull up the actual number here. There was a lot of kids that died. Um, there were 14 women and children that were killed. All right. So, yeah, we got a By lot. By this one dude, this yep. one just Potawatomi in, Indian just with a... Just straight up, not even thinking about it, just bashing Just with a tomahawk? Heads. Jesus. Um, so, pretty much Wells saw what was happening, and he ran to protect the rest of the women and children that hadn't been killed by this. Mm-hmm. And um, he pretty much just got overrun. He never made it. Um, he They call him that he was super brave, and they kind of love the fact that he went for it, because, I mean, it was fucking badass. Like, let's face it, that's some cool fucking shit. Am I so right? So who loved the fact that he went for it? I think they all did, even after the fact the Native Americans talk about it, saying... Yeah, the Potawatomi. Yeah, they're like, this was fucking badass like we're sorry it, it was but it was cool mm-hmm. and um so yeah that they're charging their all of this meantime there's a straight up massacre happening right yeah and then um this is where it gets funny wells <laughs> all right he as he's on his way back i told you he got overrun right the indians got him down on the ground killed him and this is where what i said uh they they appreciated his bravery. Oh, uh, yes. Okay, they I was waiting his, for this. The Indians cut out his heart and ate it to absorb Wells' courage. Very quickly. Right in front of everything. All of the soldiers that were still alive, they ripped out this guy's heart and ate it. Now, that they say that this happened. It could very well not be true. I mean, every source that we looked at said that happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just uh, scarfed that heart pretty quick. Then, the same... A uh, tribe member of the Potawatomi. He, uh, after he was done with the children in the wagon, he grabbed Margaret Helm, the wife of the fort's lieutenant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the one from Kentucky that he married on yeah, the way there. He was straight up beating the shit out of her. And then uh, a Native American walks up, pushes uh, this guy out of the way, and drags her by the feet down to the lake, and he holds her head under the water for what seemed like a couple minutes. But... Smart move here. This is something out of a movie. The Native American that dragged the woman to the lake was Black Partridge, the guy I was talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Yeah. And once the guy that was bludgeoning kids saw that Black Partridge had taken control of the situation, he left. He he saw him drag her to the water, and he was like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go help these guys. Like, oh, BP's got this. Dude. So Black Partridge held her under the water for a moment just to, to look like it. He let her out. And essentially looked her in the eyes and said, you need to get out of here. And he let her go. Hmm. I like Black Partridge. Yeah. He's a merciful man. Yeah. So that happened. She escaped. And then um, it seemed, all of the reports said that it seemed like it was an eternity. But as we said, only about 15 to 17 minutes had passed. Jesus. Everything simmered down. Captain Heald was seriously wounded. So wounded, in fact, that he could not walk without a cane for the rest of his life. Small price to pay. And um, I mean. he actually agreed to parlay with the Potawatomi tribe, who were led now by a chief named Blackbird. Ooh. After receiving promises from Blackbird that the survivors would be spared, Heald agreed to surrender. 
At this point, 67 people had lost their lives. Wells, 25 soldiers, all 12 militiamen, 12 children, 15 Potawatomi, and two women, including Mrs. Held's black slave, Sicily. And just to go for, like, scale of, like, who was going up against who, it was between, uh, what is it, four and five hundred Native Americans against roughly 60 or so settlers. Yeah, 400 to 500 Potawatomi Indians and 67 or 66 military personnel and 27 dependents so that would be women and children yeah i wonder if the military if the number for military men uh included the militia of 15 dudes that were just protecting the wagons i think that it were did really? i think it did because now the military lost 38 of that 66 mm-hmm. and then of the dependents all 27 were either killed or captured well, so yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. I I'm not sure exactly how they classify that. So yeah, because they died immediately, right? Yeah. So, as a little way to get back, Blackbird, uh, all the warriors that had won for the Potawatomi tribe, brought all their captives back to the fort, and that night tortured the severely wounded soldiers to death. All of the ones well, that they had <laughs> saved and said that they would leave alone. They tortured to death. Oh my god! That's like, <laughs> and there's not even a reason for that. If there's no survivors, what was that even for? It's not even to like send a message. Now I don't know. To be fair to Blackbird, I'm going to be fair to Blackbird here. The actual I mean, compromise no, yeah. said that survivors would be spared, but he does not classify survivors as captured. Ooh. So the people right. that they captured would be their prisoners and. He just mentioned that the survivors, the the remaining people, would not be attacked. Dude, he's getting back at the white man. He's, he's working that that uh, that word that like phrasing of contracts. I like it. He's he's using it. He's using it. And uh, to be fair, they didn't kill every wounded soldier. Well, okay, that's not true. They killed every. <laughs> that's not true. They, they totally did. They killed every wounded soldier. Now the civilians, the women and children, uh, on the the morning of the sixteenth of August. They divided up the captives, the Potawatomi did. Mm. They set fire to the fort, and they dispersed. Some of the white people would die among their captors, but most of them, meaning civilians, were eventually ransomed and or returned to their families for a small sum of money or food. Which is nice, right? Um, That's cool. There was a girl protected by her mother. uh, What was her? Susan Simmons. She survived. She died in California in 1900, the battle's last survivor. Very nice. 1900, really. Yep. And then four years later, soldiers arrived in Chicago to build a second Fort Dearborn. The bones of the battle's dead still lay unburied on Lake Michigan shoreline atop their new fort. Hmm. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun to find during a sandcastle competition? Yeah, so essentially what we're working with here is that, I mean, okay, the reason I, I do want to touch on this now before we what, go any farther. Yeah, one thing before you even do that, there was uh, the, the the individual uh, Potawatomi Indian who went in and killed the children and uh, some of the women. He was not looked on favorably uh, by his own tribe after no, that. No, yeah, he was not They did not praised. like the fact that he did that. They were very upset. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that in there. They don't go into it, but Black Partridge was clearly very upset by this. Yeah, which pr- it probably uh, 
helped his decision to actually help uh, uh, healed Held's wife, you know, mm-hmm. with that whole uh, drowning gambit. Yeah, so I don't, it's funny because William Wells was, I mean, he was protected as they were riding in by the Miami Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And there's really no mention of what happened to them. I think they kind of just scattered when the shit popped off. Understandably. I mean, yeah. Because it was, yeah, I mean, just look how crazy it was. So they come in and they straight up brutalize these people. And I will say this. There's not an abundance of information on what they actually did to the people. Mm -hmm. But what you do get is dark in and of its own. It's bludgeoning, scalping all around just straight up murder. Yeah. And I mean, even look at the guy that climbed on the wagon and murdered the children. They specifically mentioned he did not use the sharp end of the tomahawk. He went full out bludgeon. Like he went on with the backside of the hammer. You know what I'm mm, saying? Yeah. You know, the little meat tenderizer. He went with there. the nail remover as opposed to the straight up bludgeoning. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, uh, I know it gets crazy when you think about it like that. It just gets crazy, doesn't it? It does get crazy. It does. It does kind of make sense that the uh, the Miami like uh, you know kind of didn't help um, the the settlers, you know, because I mean, it, who's to say that they weren't either a part of or their tribe wasn't beginning to maybe try to become a part of uh, Tenskwatawa and Tecumseh's um, confederation of all the tribes, you know. Yeah. Like they they don't want to be they don't have to go up against all these other tribes and worry about their own people. So, you know. Yeah, and it's weird. But it um essentially I got the one thing I did want to touch on here is that the story kind of came to a head at least in modern times when uh they dedicated a park to the massacre. Right? To the massacre or the battle? Well, to the, I mean, like, the battle, not just, the massacre. There's just a plaque. Is like, oh, the massacre. Yeah, that's no. not that's not a good taste for the public eye. So they did that, and the problem is, is that they they call it the Fort Dearborn Massacre Monument. That's what it's called. Oh, so they did put the word "man." Oh, that's strange. And All it, right, and it was built uh, in 1893, and the problem is. That actually the monument is cool because what it is, is the monument is Black Partridge saving Mrs. Helm. It's a woman in the middle with a Native American with a tomahawk raised and Black Partridge with his hand out stopping. Oh, I like it. I like it. And, I mean, obviously there's a lot of controversy around that. Mostly because the Fort Dearborn Massacre, it goes both ways. Now, it's easy to look at this and say... The Fort Dearborn Massacre is just like this evil thing. But when you look at it through a historical lens, it's just another instance of white colonists screwing over Native Americans and them fighting for what they rightfully deserved. And you know, it's kind of a nice change of pace that it wasn't the uh, Native Americans that were massacred here. Yeah. Or just like very easily... Uh, taken over by people with just due to sheer numbers, it was a you know kind of flipped the script, and that's kind of refreshing in history when it comes to uh-huh. it. you know what I mean. And um, do you know what I'm saying? If you would like to know, actually, as a matter of fact, where Fort Dearborn was located, 
The actual address of where it is now, it is on East Lower Wacker Drive in Chicago. Really? Right across the river from the House of Blues. Oh my God! I've di- <laughs> I know where the- I-, I I must have seen that and just not paid any mind to it. Yeah, you need to start paying more attention. It's to It's right things. there. It's on the same side of the river as the Chicago yeah. River Walk beginning. We were just talking about this before we even started the episode. Like all those statues downtown that we became so familiar with going to school down there. We have no idea why they're there. Yeah, we've never no. bothered to like uh, you know like uh, look at the plaques and like this is dedicated to this person and this and this. It's like, no, this is the place that we went and saw that one like uh, homeless dude jerking off with a joint in his mouth. And uh, so we went the other way and go watch the skaters. Dude, I'll never forget. Uh, I, we watched that guy. We, I, I think, was it you oh, and me? I think me? I know. You and me came out of class. Yeah, was this at 624? Yeah, we came out yeah. of class <laughs> and we sat down at the potted plant. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, Matt and Mitch were there. So I, was, I called Mitch and I was like, hey, where are you guys at? And he was like, "Yo, dude, we're right behind you. We're in the we're in Grant Park across the street." Yeah. So we turned around and we were like, "Oh shit, it's you guys!" We turned around and there was a homeless man pissing on the door to the school. Yeah. Literally pissing. <laughs> just, Urine is flowing towards at us. At like four thirty in the afternoon. And we are just cracking up. So we go across the street and we sit down. Matt and Mitch are there, and they're both looking at us. They're like, "Did you guys see that guy pissing on the door where you just came out?" They're both like. Told you, I knew that's what he was doing. Yeah, it was <laughs> great. Dude, we've seen some ridiculous things, dude. We were uh, we were at that coffee shop, and that guy was like checking himself for uh, ticks. I guess you could call it. He was very closely inspecting his body. That was in Dollop, right? Yep. Dude, he moved to the. Uh, uh, it was a Dunkin' that we Ooh. didn't usually go to. It was like a Dunkin' Donuts, like two blocks in. But ever since, like, I saw him at Dollop. I just see him every day in the same spot in that same Duncan. I've had two experiences at Dollop because then the one day uh, me and Mitch left. I don't know who we were even there with. Maybe it was Griff. I don't know. We we were walking back towards school, and we went under uh, the train station right there. Yeah, under and there uh, was a guy Carol like Washington. You, you know how you pee when you're like drunk and you're at a stall or not in a stall. You're at like a urinal, and you got one hand up on the wall, typically the left hand, and you're leaning in. That's what this guy was doing. So initially, we thought he was peeing, right? But he was doing this. Sounds good. And in that hand, he was looking up. He had a Polaroid picture, and he was violently masturbating underneath the... We just went past him. We didn't know what to do. We were just like, (laughs) okay, we're out of here. That whole little courtyard is insane. I'm pretty sure uh, Carlton uh, saw that one... uh, Saw like a Harry Krishna get like decked in the face... Dude, in that in that same plaza, I remember Mitch. He pissed off some Hare Krishnas like hard. No, dude, no, they're Buddhists. I'm sorry, they're like the fake Buddhists. The guys who like come up to you and like put jewelry on you, and then you don't give them a buck, and they violently take it. it back. I will admit, it was probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen Mitch do. Dude, in my Mitch engages life. with whoever the fuck. Dude, the it's guy hilarious. gave him the bracelet right, and he was holding it, and then he was like, he kept putting up one finger, like one dollar, one dollar, and Mitch was like, I gotta pay for this, and he was like. Yeah. And Mitch was like, I'm not paying for this. And the guy just kept, like, signaling. He's like, give it back. And Mitch just, like, look at ch- like an old man <laughs> doing it to a child. He had it over his head, and he's like, you want it? Do you want it back? And the guy was, like, grabbing for it, and he'd pull it back, and he's like, oh, oh, no, no, no. And he was just pissing that guy off. Oh, my And then, God. like, three days later, we were walking by the, the Art Institute. Yeah. And the same dudes, like, we found out. Yeah, they're always hanging out by the lines. We found out they're not even, like, real Buddhists. They're, like, Mexican dudes that put on, like, bald caps. No, yeah, they're just, they're, like, don't, 
no, don't yeah. associate with anyone on the street downtown. So we found out <laughs> that they that. weren't like genuine Buddhists. They were just dudes like swindling. So we were going by. We were at the like the crosswalk, and he just screams at this couple that's talking to him. He's like, "They're not even Buddhists. They're just Mexican dudes." <laughs> and like, dude, those two dudes—the look of hatred that they had <laughs> as we walked past them going back—it was just—it was unmatched. Oh my god! I mean, yeah, anyone could be a Buddhist. Mexicans could be Buddhist, but that's like the funniest thing. In it the was world. unmatched. It was the funniest thing ever, and it happened very close to where the. Fort Dearborn Massacre. Yeah, yeah, it did. They're disrespecting the dead. Dude, what, I'm sorry. One more Mitch story about downtown, like, homeless people. Uh, he has fun, dude. dude he has he fun does. So, um, so, like, a week before this happened, like, me and uh, me and Matt were, like, uh, we were at this coffee shop at, like, pretty early in the morning. Like, not early in the morning. It was, like, Sunday morning at, like, 1130 or something. We were, like, sitting outside. This guy came up with, like, a full bottle of whiskey and he was just like off his ass, like just drooling everywhere and all that shit. And he kept calling Matt um, uh, Ocean. Ocean. He called him Ocean because his <laughs> Ocean. eyes are so blue and deep. But uh, <laughs> some flashback or flash forward to like a week after that, Mitch was down and hanging out with us, and we like run into this guy at like two thirty in the morning, and he's like, "Dude, I know you." He's like, "What?" I, he's like, what? He's like, you just give me a dollar? He's like, no, I know you. And he was getting, like, freaked out. He was, like, backing up and, like, drooling. He's like, no, dude, you you don't know. Dude, no. no. He ended up running away. Yeah. Because <laughs> Mitch was just him. like, dude, I know you. I need, Come back here. Ocean. Remember Ocean? Dude, do you remember the, you were there. Do you remember the homeless guy that was, like, ripping on Mitchell and he didn't get it right away? And it was, like, very funny because we Wait, were just, which like. One? We were sitting in That's Grant also Park, happened a few times. And Mitch was eating a banana or something. Yeah. And uh, the guy, like, came and sat down. He was he was actually, like, pleasant when we first met him. He was mm-hmm. just, like, talking. Yeah. He wasn't, like, asking for anything. He was just kind of sitting there. That's how they set you up. And we were just, like, chit-chatting about nothing. And uh, Mitch was, like, eating this banana. And he was like, oh, so you're a fruit man, huh? You like, ba- you like bananas? And Mitch went on for, like, three minutes about, like, why it's important to eat bananas. <laughs> and he, the, the homeless guy just, like, took a deep breath and was like... Man, you sure do talk a lot, don't you? <laughs> and like, we were just sitting there, like, dude, this homeless guy is just ripping on you right now. And then when he left, we were like talking about. It. He's like, "Wait, are you serious?" He was like ripping on me. He's like, "I wasn't even paying attention to what that guy said." We we're like, "Yeah, dude." He was like making fun oh of you, dude. God. That was like crazy. Dude, Mitch just goes. He just goes. He no, that's funny. I don't He's know good. why he came up about uh. About the Fort Dearborn massacre, but he did. Oh yeah, we're talking about the the monuments and walking past them all the time and homeless people being by. We gotta go pick him we, up yeah. anyway. Yeah, we do need to go pick him up. We're going to uh, a friend's new house. Yeah, we are going, going to, to visit a house, house warming. It's That'd gonna be, be nice. good. But yeah, so that was it's short and sweet. But that was uh, a little history lesson from us to you. Yeah, we thought it was cool. We thought it was a cool little story. Uh, it's not something you're gonna hear about in school typically. If you do, they'll gloss over why and how it happened yeah i mean i guess i get it you're not going to teach i mean you gotta condense that. That, yeah, every subject into you know an hour. i mean what we just did that took like a full class so ah oh, dude we could let's teach that'd be cool dude we'd be cool teachers. joint teachers we just get the salary of one i'd do that i would totally do that just dude. like do this as well but that every week it'd be a different topic it'd be like all right we're talking about this it's just like a podcast we'll just like make the lessons like a podcast thing and that would be very fun. That would be hilarious. Take our classes. We're going to start courses. Yeah, yeah. They're free. It is true. Wait, For no. You. Okay. They're on the internet every Friday. They're free. Oh, yes, For they now. Are. Until we start charging. 
All right, but yeah, that Speaking is, of that, we it. have a Patreon. Please uh, please go ahead and become patrons of us. You'll get extra stuff. Yeah. Some Just extra wait. cool stuff, shout out. I think we've said it before. Um, we're working on... We're cool working on solidifying dates. The project that we are going to be doing is solidified, but we just have to find the dates and times for guests that you know and love and for some guests that you've only seen once and guests that you've never seen before. Never before. We have a And I don't think uh, and they haven't seen any of us. Really. Oh, no, you haven't seen Well, there's a, I put up a photo of uh, me, you, Georgie, Mitch, and uh, Alex, I believe. No, Mitch wasn't in it. Oh, I, no, he wasn't. It was just you, Ooh. me, Georgie, and Alex. Mitch is handsome. Wait till you see that guy. No, he's not. He's handsome, dude. Oh, my God. He's got God. the best no, jawline of the group. No, nah, Mitch sucks. Yeah. He's awful. But he's handsome. Mm, anyway, handsome so there's a cool... A mutilated corpse fashion. No, I'm oh, kidding. God. I'm kidding. I love oh, wow. him. I love you, Mitch. If you don't listen to this, <laughs> I do love you, obviously. Yeah, I'll be in your house in like 10 listens. minutes, too, so yeah. like, obviously I love you. Yeah, if you're listening right now, somehow we'll uh, get ready. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, so nuts. so the project we're working on for Patreon, uh, any amount of donation you'll be able to have access to it. It's going to be real cool. Once we get it solidified and done, uh, we'll let you guys know exactly what it is. I'll and tell you what, you guys will be excited. There I are am. a few select people that are not involved with the making of this project that will know what it is simply because it's something that happened before. It there is, were people that have before. been involved and witnessed it occurring. And you know what's crazy? I wasn't even up. I I I had like not pretty much not even met anyone in the group at the no. time that it originally happened, and I am honored to be a part of it uh, here in the now time. But see, the problem is we really got to work with scheduling because we're already going to have to make some sacrifices simply because it was so long ago. People have jobs now. A couple of the people that were involved in what we're doing and what we who we want to have involved in this or in the military and busy yeah. so we're working on it but um we're getting closer to solidifying some time for that and it'll be really fun i think it'll be real cool so uh keep an ear out i guess for that do it this is a this is a sonic frequency so sonic sonic, sonic the hedgehog all right uh but yeah so follow us on all the stuff uh facebook uh, Instagram, Twitter, go on Libsyn, yeah. subscribe to us on the iTunes, uh, uh, Spotify. There Listen you go. to I Hate God. Listen to I Hate God. Do that as well. They're sick. They're awesome. And then Patreon. So thank you guys. Uh, history, the farthest back we've gone in history so far. I enjoyed it. All right, everybody. We will see you next week. We love you. Goodbye. Toodaloo. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.